0: Welcome back to the Clemson podcast. It is Wednesday, May 30th. Ben and Sam here with you today to spend the next hour miserating over the loss of Josh and Zach Pickens. We'll talk about conspiracy theories surrounding Gamecock AD. Ray Tanner is the head of the college baseball playoff committee. But first, we'll tell you about all the things Trevor Lawrence has not done to prove that he should be Clemson's starting quarterback in 2018 is what we would have said if we were a Clemson Tiger message board, but we're not. We're the podcast, and we're here to bring you semi-educated takes on information we've read on the internet, as we've done for the past three years. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, thanks for joining us, folks. Uh, we're actually here today to talk about Clemson baseball. They're running the ACC tourney, as well as the upcoming regional at Dunk Kingsmore Stadium. But first, Sam, today we got some of the most exciting news we've gotten about Clemson basketball since Larry Shiat got fired.
1: Yeah, it's a great day for Clemson basketball, especially for the 2018-2019 uh, team. We, uh, we got the news today that two of our seniors are coming back to, to play for their last year at Clemson. Shelton Mitchell and Marquise Reed both coming back.
0: Yeah, uh, I really wasn't prepared for this, uh, of having an excitement level around Clemson basketball this time of year. Like This type of news is like, what? Why are we talking about Clemson basketball in May? I mean, it happened a little bit when Jerron came back. Um, a couple years ago, but this is so much bigger than that um, in hindsight just because of what Keese and uh, and Sheldon n- meant to this team last year. Uh, you lose already Dante Grantham and Gabe DeVoe. If we would have lost those two guys, man, you've only got uh, Elijah Thomas returning as a starter and you essentially waste his last year because we're, we're in trouble next year. We're breaking in four new starters with a lot of unproven guys, especially at the guard position, but Getting uh, these two guys back, it's, it's huge. Brad all has to be thrilled. I don't know what replacement plan he had. Uh, I'm sure he had something uh, pre- prepared if, if they left, but I don't know where you go. I don't know how many grad transfers are out there that are worth anything this time of year.
1: Yeah, there's definitely still some grad transfers out there, but there's no way you can replace your, your leading scorer, your only point guard on the roster, and your senior leaders. These are guys that are going to lead this program this year. They're going to do what Dante and, uh, and Gabe did last year. The the two of them and Eli are just the fact that all three of them are coming back is massive for this team, along with Amir, who's a semi-starter. So we've got four guys who are cemented in their roles as contributors on this team, and these two, you know, two of our top four leading scorers, along with Dante and Gabe last year, and our point guard, and you know, it's just huge for the program that that they're coming back to play again for their senior season.
0: Yeah, and I mean this places expectations leading into next year. Um expectation should be Clemson getting his elites um, as at least as far as they did last year into the sweet sixteen. Maybe even talk about start talking about the elite eight, given the talent that's on this roster. They've had guys that played together for several years now. Um you've got Amir Sims, as you mentioned, coming back who showed a lot of promise last year. We expect him to make some progress over the summer here and heading into next fall. So yeah, I mean, this is just, I mean, this is excellent news for Clemson basketball, especially coming on the heels of what was, what was such an exciting season. And you finally see Brad Bellnell get this program turned and going in the right direction. Um, it really would have deflated things had they not come back, because it almost feels like you're starting over. But, I mean, what this does, not only w- what it does for next year as far as how good this team can be. But it also helps you just keep that momentum going, which is going to help in recruiting players uh, in the future.
1: Yeah, I think the momentum aspect is gigantic for this team. Uh, we've seen transfers come in throughout the last few years to, to really build out the program. I mean, you look at the, the four guys we've talked about, Shelton, Marquise, and Eli are all transfers. Amir was the only one that's a homegrown prospect that we brought in as a freshman. Uh, another couple of guys that are going to be contributing this year, Javen White, uh, Max Baer next year, um, or Jonathan Baer next year. These are all transfers that are keeping the program afloat and helping us win. But to really be successful long-term, you need to be able to bring in prospects of your own. And this is really the first class that Brad's been able to do that with some sort of momentum and a team to build around. And like you said, if we'd lost these two, uh, that momentum goes out the window you're starting from scratch again almost entirely you've got a senior leader in, in Eli who would have balled yeah. out and been amazing he'd be out by
0: himself absolutely but I mean if you don't have to focus on anybody on the perimeter then you just yeah crowd the box down but low right
1: these two guys coming back gives everyone a chance to sort of rely on them grow around them and improve and set the 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 groundwork and the foundation for, for future seasons. It's a huge win for, for the program.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And not to downplay what the grad transfers have contributed thus far and what these two guys we got coming in next year, what they're going to be able to contribute in the future moving forward, um, because they have been high quality. I mean, all of our
1: starters are transfers, but you're grad or otherwise, but you
0: know, you're seeing Clemson now in recruiting, we're bringing in four-star guys, and I know four-star guys in college basketball doesn't mean the same thing as it does in college football. Um, but still, we're not bringing in two- and three-star guys, bringing in three- and four-star guys. Our name is in the mix for five-star guys, and whether yep. or not we get them, whatever, that's one thing. But just the fact that Clemson can be uh, serious contenders for these guys is is huge, and it's something that we haven't experienced uh, with Clemson basketball in quite some time since Rick Barnes in the, in the late 90s.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the recruiting class this year with the three freshmen coming in, Hunter Tyson, John Newman, and uh, Trey Jemison are three guys that should be able to contribute this year. They're going to get time. We're not a super deep team, so there's going to be minutes to be earned. Um, But you can just, like you said, we're getting in the conversations for fours and five star guys that we didn't used to. And it's going to be Interesting to see if Brownell can capitalize on that and can pull in some more foreign, maybe even a five star every once in a while in the next few years. But uh, this—it's very exciting.
0: Well, so going back to Marquise and Shelton um, and, and talking about their kind of decision making in that process, this is what maybe like the fourth year that players have been able to to come out and test the NBA draft waters without yeah. signing an agent, so being Something able like to come that. back. Um, it, I. It's taken a few years. At first, I kind of liked it, but it's taken a few years for me to register this. It really put coaches in a bad position. Oh, absolutely. Allowing players, giving players the opportunity to wait this late um, before declaring whether or not they're going to go. Because, again, had these two guys decided to leave, you're in a really, really bad position. So something's br- broken. Um, well, I, it's it's a overstatement or, or understatement, I guess, uh, to say that something's broken with the NCAA, but there's something definitely broken with the system. Um, in college basketball and that's a discussion for a, for another time with the whole one and done and everything but for for this thing in in particular the the more it's starting to affect Clemson again and did with withdrawn and uh, it, with these two guys I'm starting to think it's not the best way um, It's one thing if you're Kentucky and you, you know you got five freshmen that are just gonna get declare every year you're gonna bring in five more uh, five star guys but it's different for for teams like Clemson so uh, that being said, you know, It did not surprise me when both decided to test the waters, but the thought never crossed my mind. I was like, well, first, I'm like, they're not ready. They may never be ready for the NBA, but they're not ready for the NBA this year. thought never crossed my mind that they graduated, they have their undergrad degree, they may go to Europe. It's like, I mean, what? They're going to be facing good competition in Europe. They'll be getting a paycheck. They could go to the NBA D-League. I don't know how much that was an actual possibility, but, you know, the as a business decision, these guys could have done this. Again, they had a degree in hand. Um, so when the chatter began about them going to Russia, that really kind of made me step back, and I really became concerned at that point.
1: Yeah, it was definitely scary. It's something that you don't think about. It's something that's become more prominent the last four or five years, uh, with the changes to the draft and, and when people have to declare and remove their names from the draft. Um, and really, there's just more of a prominence of players going abroad. You always, it happened, Um, guys like Tanner Smith and um, former Clemson players, Oglesby. uh, Like these are guys that went and played in Europe for years, but Cliff Hammonds, Yeah. There's Tyrell McIntyre had an amazing career in Europe uh, back in the 2000s. So it's always been happening, but you didn't think about it in the last couple of years. It's become a lot more prominent.
0: Casey rivers. Yep. You go on and on.
1: There's a bunch of them. Um, So even before this week, when we were coming up on this deadline for the 30th today uh, of them having to either remove their names from the NBA draft or stay in, I was nervous that they would say, yes, I'm removing my name from the draft, but I'm not sure if I'm coming back yet. So the strong affirmation today from both of them saying, I'm coming back to Clemson. I'm coming for my senior year. Uh, Kind of putting that G league or Europe portion of it out the window was refreshing and exciting and we get to watch them for another year.
0: Yeah, because listen, these guys can go to Europe anytime they want, right? They can quit in the middle of the season, decide they want to go play in Europe. There's no uh, same relationship uh, with the NBA that they that the, these college teams have with Europe. So great to confirm today that they are definitely coming back to Clemson. Um, you know, these are guys that will have been here three years. Uh, now played in the system doesn't matter anymore that their transfers like these are Clemson guys. So I'm really excited about seeing them come back next year and just being able to watch them play again with all the excitement they gave us last year. Um, I expect both of them to be improved. All three of them, uh, uh, Elijah Thomas included, you know, they're coming back to school to up their stock, to improve, to show that they can play at the next level. So all three of them are going to be super determined next year and focused on playing well
1: yeah hopefully we see that contract year bump right exactly it's uh, it's the same thing for the college players as it is for nba guys who are on the last year of their contract you want to show the teams around the league that that you can play and whether that's nba g league or europe this is their kind of last go around to say here are my skills here's what i can do against elite competition in college and uh kind of get their name out there
0: yeah, I mean, Elijah Thomas has done nothing but improved in leaps and bounds over the couple of years that he's been here. Um, Marquise Reed can certainly stand to work on his ball handling. Uh, and Shelton Mitchell, give him another offseason to continue to heal that that knee up and really l- let him go out there and feel like he can explode and feel comfortable with that. So, yeah, next year, I for the first time in a long time, I basketball cannot get here fast enough for me.
1: Welcome to my world, Ben.
0: There you have it. Um, So, yeah, again, not often do we get a lot of exciting news regarding Clemson basketball in May, but, you know, Merry Christmas, um, Clemson fans. Uh, This was exciting news to hear today and going into next year. um, Sky's the limit for these guys. Um, So before we move on to baseball, uh, let's get a little shout-out real quick. Um, We mentioned this last time, Cody and Quacking Tiger from Shaken Southland. Um, uh, did an episode a few weeks ago. Um, it was about an hour and a half of really solid information on this uh, 2018 uh, Clemson football team. None of it is perishable, except for the parts where they talk about Belk, Hunter Johnson, and uh, Zach Pickens, if they brought him up, I can't recall. But uh, other than that, not perishable material. If you've listened to Quacking Tiger before, you know he's worth a listen. If you haven't li- um, listened to one of our episodes of Quacking Tiger before, um, or if you if you haven't seen any of his articles, read it, followed him on Shaking the Southland. I'm telling you, go check it out. This guy's super knowledgeable. Super knowledgeable. He's the smartest guy that has ever been on the poc- the podcast. Uh, that's for certain. Um, and that's including the four of us that do this. Uh, so we're really lucky to have him on. And then definitely, I would suggest go and listen to that. Um, it's certainly worth sitting through. Uh, with that, let's move on to baseball. So Sam, as we get into baseball here, um, I want to play you a little clip um, since you guys um, are so keen on making fun of me and my predictions that um, often come true. Um, so let's uh, let's roll it.
1: So Ben, with given the the schedule set up and how we have a pretty good setup and we've gotten off to a good start, uh, do you think we beat last year's win total at 42?
0: Well, I was less optimistic uh, uh, going into the season knowing that we lost so much from our pitching staff. And there was a lot of holes to fill, namely all the starters. Um, but as I started reading in more about this team, hearing about what the coaches were saying about fall practice and also in the spring practice that the pitchers were actually dominating the hitting, yep. um, I've become a lot more positive. I think if it was coming down to, you know, we hoping that one or two guys bust out, I think the possibility that, um, that the possibility is there because there's a larger pool of guys to choose from, talented guys that are going to be competing, I think there is that possibility that we could have two, maybe even three guys uh, bust out and really have a huge impact on this team. And it's because of that. Um, and combined with the hitting, I'm going over uh, 42 over. wins this year. Yeah. You heard
1: it here first, folks. Ben's shit has hit the wall. We'll see if it sticks.
0: Ah, uh, Yes, feels good to be right. The Clemson Tigers with 45 wins this year, which... Uh, That was the over, so I nailed that. Um, Sam, did you believe me when I said that earlier on?
1: I definitely thought it was a possibility. We talked about it on that episode.
0: They're one of only three or four teams, I think, in Division I baseball that had um, 43 or more wins. Uh, So an incredible season for the Clemson baseball team. Watching them play earlier on in the year and kind of how they played against good competition, I didn't think they were going to hit this mark. But, you know, that was in the details, right? They kept winning. Uh, so this baseball team, forty-five and fourteen on the year, just an incredible season. Twenty-two and eight in the ACC. They won the ACC Atlantic for the first time since two thousand and ten, and the first time they've done that outright since two thousand and six. They're coming in hot. They're nineteen and twenty-three in their last twenty-two games. Um, so this baseball team is is playing really well right now, and they're winning ball games. They did, you know, fail to to advance past Florida State in the ACC tournament, but. You know, it's water under the bridge at this point. Uh, the team has a regional; they're a regional host and the number ten um, uh, seed in the entire tournament. They did not get that coveted top eight spot, a national seed.
1: I um, think that Florida State game was essentially a play-in game for them. You know,
0: I think it was too, and a lot of people were going to complain about um, given our record. And, you know, I don't want to talk about what uh, UNC did or didn't do to deserve to be in there, because as far as Clemson is concerned, I want to focus specifically on that. Um, But, you know, RPI was 11 um, right as of right now. They were five and nine against RPI top 25 teams on the year. And the schedule just wasn't the ACC schedule, at least the ACC teams we played just wasn't that strong this year. And when we did play good teams like Louisville and uh, NC State, you know, we lost so. You know, I think I think it's a fair shake for this Clemson baseball team. I don't have any complaints, and listen, they still got a little bit left to prove to to see what they could do when they go up against good teams and specifically good pitching. But overall, a really fantastic year for them. Uh, Fourteen and five, one run games. I think that's going to be big. That's good experience going into this tournament. Um, But yeah, is you know, we eye down. Haven't been to Omaha since 2010, and I think when I was talking about on our last episode. I didn't think that they would win the ACC tournament. Although, you know, it was a close game against Florida State, they very well could have advanced, and I predicted that uh, they may not get out of uh, the regional. Um, that being said, looking at the regional matchup, we'll talk about that in a little bit, I do think it's a possibility uh, based off of who we have. And there's been a couple development developments on this team that um, gives me some optimism of advancing past that first round and maybe even getting to Omaha.
1: Yeah, we uh, we talked about it during basketball season with our trip to Omaha for those boys, but we want to see the second trip this year to Omaha for Clemson sports.
0: Need some more two dollar bills floating around, right?
1: That's right. Um, Like you said, there's there's been some developments in the ACC tournament in the last couple weeks. Um, This team seems to have turned a corner. They're coming in really hot to postseason play. Um, Had a close game against Florida State that they ended up losing, but. It uh, it points to some of the issues they've had all season. That loss was very indicative of the games that we lose. That's right. how we lose them. Um, so there's there's going to need to be a way for us to overcome those difficulties that we'll talk about when we talk about that game. But um, this is a very strong Clemson team that has a chance to both win their regional and you know look really strong in the process.
0: Well, and offensively, when things are clicking, they're going. You know, they might score sixteen runs in an inning. Uh, Or 17. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. or was it 17? Yeah, Yeah. 17 runs. Um, uh, But then also the pitching has been really good and just kind of holding together just enough. Um, And we'll get into that. Looking back over the course of the last couple weeks, um, catching up on on the games that's happened since the last time we talked about it, uh, had a midweek game against Kennesaw State at Kennesaw State. Um, you know, obviously you expect to win that. But lefty Matt Clark uh, won his first career start, going five and two thirds, really only nice giving adding. up yeah one run, no walks, five strikeouts. Um, that'll come into play here as we we talk about the uh, the NCAA tournament, College World Series moving forward. Had a sweep against Pitt. Uh, no surprise there, but. Um, the, the big kind of uh, highlight from that was Logan Davidson becoming the first Tiger in history to hit a home run from both sides of the plate in the same game. Uh, that was in a game that Clemson won 16-6, a game in which the Tigers hit six home runs. And that was off Pitt's ace, Pittage, uh, who couldn't get out of the third inning. So, that you know, he had a sub-3 ERA for the year. Um, Tigers scored on every Panther pitcher, so, you know, what an incredible game. Top six yep. in the lineup, batted 5-16 with five home runs and 14 RBIs. Um, yep, great game for It was a, game for us. a blowout. Um, and then another positive in that game, Spencer Strider, five innings pitch. So you see him replace Jacob Hennessy in the weekend starting rotation. He went five, only giving up three hits, two runs, had seven strikeouts, and two walks. Um, so that's another thing to, to pay attention to. You also saw him get a start in the uh, ACC tournament against Notre Dame. Um, as we kind of moving on to that, we'll talk about the Notre Dame game. Um and we will talk about uh, Logan Logan Davidson again. He one upped himself, becoming the first Clemson player to homer from both sides of the plate in the same inning. I mean, what an one incredible, of which was a grand slam. Yeah, and this is all in like the span of a week. That was I mean, absolutely incredible. Um, you know, Sam, I I was at work following this game. I think Notre Dame was up on us like four nothing in the third. I went up. I left my desk for a meeting for like thirty minutes. And I came back and we put up nine runs in the fourth inning. The fourth inning was still yep. going on. Yep. Then I left again for another half hour. I mean, it was a fifty-five minute inning. Came back. There's eight more. I, I came yeah. Came back and they were still scoring. I mean, it was incredible. It's one of the most incredible things I've seen in baseball.
1: I was I was also sitting at work during this game and happened to turn it on towards the end of the third and just had it on my second screen minimized. And I was listening to the game. And when they started getting runs, the first home run by Davidson and followed up a couple of batters later, um, by Williams, first one in the inning. I think I was like, Oh dang, that was six runs in a minute. And then I had to turn it on and continue watching. I had coworkers crowding around my desk asking what was going on. Cause every three or four minutes I was exclaiming, Oh my God, they did it again. It just kept going. The inning just kept going and going and going. And it was Everybody getting hits and getting on base, and it was incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, 21 batters came to the plate in that inning. And, you know, just to put that in perspective, um, technically, you can get through a baseball game with only 27 batters coming to the plate yeah. if it's a perfect game. Um, so, yeah, just absolutely incredible to do that against an ACC opponent. In the ACC tournament, I mean, this isn't a midweek team that you're playing that is really far below your level of play. I mean, this is Notre Dame. Okay, maybe they're not the greatest baseball team in the world, but still, I mean, you wouldn't, you just, you didn't see this coming, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, so Clemson kept it up uh, with a scoring uh, outburst in, in innings with a seven to one win over Miami. They tallied six runs in the sixth inning, and in that one five with two outs. And you know this really is all comes back to Monty Lee's philosophy. Um, they really want one beginning in a the game. They want to score at least seven runs. They got it in these two games. It really worked out. Crawford had a great game against Miami, going five, uh, only gave up one run. Uh, Ryan Miller ended up picking up the win in that one, going four uh, with no runs. Uh, he continues his phenomenal pitching this year. Um, and you know I'll stop there because I want to talk about how just. Absolutely stupid the ACC tournament format is in baseball because after Notre Dame lost their first game against Miami, the Clemson-Notre Dame game didn't count because Notre Dame beating Clemson had no effect on Notre Dame advancing. After Notre Dame lost, they couldn't advance. Clemson could have lost to Notre Dame. All they had to do was beat Miami to advance. So why in the world even play this game like
1: for history, Ben?
0: Well, uh, there you go. I mean, um, we get
1: 17 run innings.: in I those guess games. John
0: Swafford had some foresight when he put together this uh this format, but it, it's literally the, it's it's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. and they've been doing it for like four years now, and I don't know why anybody yeah. hasn't brought up yet why it's so stupid to play games that don't count.
1: Yeah, it's not a good format. Um, but it worked out this year for us. Uh, but it's
0: worked against us in the past. It definitely
1: has, and it will continue to work against half the teams that experience it every year. Yeah. Uh, it's not a good format. It doesn't make sense.
0: Um, so the way it works is if you have all teams tied at one and one right? You each play two games, there's mm-hmm. three games in your pool, that the... Team with the highest seed advances. So yep. that means when Notre Dame loses... The lower seeds are at such a huge yeah, disadvantage. you're, you're out because you're 0-1. The best you can do is 1-1. You know there's going to be another 1-1 team at least. Mm-hmm. You're out. So, yeah, it's it's it never ceases to amaze me. Just hell. Just, it's just stupid. I um, guess John Swofford was on AMBN when he came up with this one. Um, okay, so moving on to Florida State. Yeah. Um, you know, ran into them, really faced some good pitching in this game, had tons of missed opportunities, sixteen strikeouts, left eight runners on base. Situational hitting was an issue, which tying in Monty Lee's philosophy of that they go up there and swing hard every time. They don't they don't swing to put the ball in play, which was an interesting article if you read it on Tiger Net. David Hood had an yep. article about that. Um I kind of get hung up on that. I'm like, it bothers me. It's, I
1: have a very different philosophy with that. When bases are loaded and there's one out and we get one run out of it, it's fine. That's a bad philosophy. That's not enough.
0: It's because you're not going to score 17 runs in an inning every game or six for that matter, right?
1: I'd love to get two or three sometimes when we should. You don't have to play small ball.
0: You know, Jack Leggett beating us to death with small ball and what we're going to face when we we face Tim Corbin and Vanderbilt if, if we do end up facing them in the regional. But, you got to be able to execute and do the little things right in, in situational moments, and that's really plagued this Clemson team this year. Um, you know, it, it reared its ugly head in this game. We only had five hits and against 16 strikeouts. Uh, the umpiring was horrible, as it has been many times in the ACC this year. Monty Lee was ejected in this game for arguing balls and strikes. Um, but the bottom line is, Clemson went up against good pitching and couldn't produce. And the Clemson bullpen finally faltered. I mean, Higginbotham. Didn't pitch. Didn't have his greatest game, but he hung no. in there, going six and a third, giving up three runs. Normally, that you know we're happy That's about enough. that. Yeah. But then Spears comes in, uh, gives up a run in two thirds of an inning, and then Riley Gilliam Riley Gilliam gives up a run in two innings pitch. It was only his second time giving up a run in ACC play this year. Coincidentally, both have been to Florida State.
1: Yeah, I mean, we say the the bullpen faltered, but two runs in two and two thirds. Not the end of the world, right? You hope you'd be able to overcome that. But these are guys that usually don't give up. No, we're we're just, we're so used to them being spectacular this year and shutting teams down, giving up nothing or one run in four innings of relief pitching that when they give up two and two and change, it's bad for them. Like this is, this is the worst we've seen them perform this year. Really? I mean, on a big stage, at least. That's pretty incredible. The bullpen has been so good this year that we're complaining about two runs and Three innings,
0: and and that just you know goes to show you that as good as the bullpen has been this year, they're not going to be perfect every time. No, they can't. You can't afford to miss opportunities at the plate. Absolutely, strike out sixteen times, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So that was the big deal in that game. Uh, The exciting news coming out of the ACC tournament is Chris Williams. He's ACC Player of the Week. Uh, He has been on fire lately. Now let's kind of meander into the territory of talking about how well this team has been hitting. Uh, overall, team average is up to 261. It's been it was hovering around in the high 240s and 250s a lot of the year, but they've really been starting to hit lately. Uh, 94 home runs on the season which is second in college baseball. Um, again, let's talk about Chris Williams. This is a guy whose average we talked about it last time. I didn't think he'd be able to turn around, but his average dropped significantly every month. Of the season. He was hitting somewhere below the Mendoza line for the month of May. He's up to two seventy-five now, second on the team in home runs with seventeen, leads the team with sixty-six RBIs. His last five games he's batting five twenty-four with three home runs and fourteen RBIs. Uh Sam, you thought he maybe he could turn it around. I did not think so <laughs> you much. You did not, but sure enough he did.
1: I was hopeful and the the streak that he has gotten on the last couple weeks happened. Oddly enough, right after uh, we had the last podcast. So maybe Chris is out there listening. He said, you know what, Sam, you're right. I'm going to go hit the ball out of the ballpark a lot.
0: Well, if our semi-educated takes um, provide inspiration to anybody on the Clemson team in any sport. That's all we can hope for. That's what we're we're here for. We're here to make a difference in the world. Um, So, yeah, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Seth Beer um, as well. Since his average dropped to 273 after the first game of the FSU series on May 5th, in those past 13 games, he's batted four seventy-seven. His numbers are incredible. His on-base plus slugging is 1.731. I mean, the, the, those numbers are astronomical. Eight home runs in those 13 games, 19 RBIs, 16 walks. He is now, all of a sudden, after kind of hovering around two hundred eighty for the year, he's leading the team in average, batting three 20 home runs leads the team. Um, yeah, Seth Beer's kind of returning to that form that we saw during his freshman year.
1: Mm -hmm. If we can continue to get home runs out of him and Williams and and Davidson has just been incredible. I mean, if those three guys keep hitting and Wilkie keeps doing what he's doing, we have an extremely potent offense that should be able to support our pitchers. And if the pitchers do what they've been doing all year, we definitely got a chance to compete in any game we're in.
0: Yeah, and speaking of, uh, of Wilkie and quietly, unassumingly, just kind of going about his business, batting 315, leading uh, or second on the team in average, he's in the middle of a 25 game hitting streak. I don't know why we're not talking about that more. I know, like, you know, Robin Ventura's record of like 59 or 60 games in a row or something like that in college baseball, he's not even halfway to that.
1: But it's a massive streak, though.
0: Yeah, I found it hard enough in the league to hit one game in a row. So the fact that he's been able to do it for 25 is absolutely amazing.
1: A little bit stiffer competition than Little League.
0: Yeah, that is true. Um, but he's been solid. I mean, I don't know who hits in that two-hole if he doesn't come on this year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, batting f- almost 430 during that 25-game hitting streak, he has been he has just been rock solid over the past couple months. Logan Davidson continues to, to, to hit well. Personally, I think he's the best hitter, all-around hitter on the team. He's batting 298, third on the team in home runs. Um and then another guy Sam that I predicted that should be pulled out of the starting lineup goes on to prove me wrong. Uh Wharton has pulled his average up to 2.45 his last 7 games. He's batting 3.45. So um he's come around and starting to hit and starting to produce.
1: Yeah, we've had a bunch of guys uh, especially in the last week and a half come out and get a ton of hits. Um The only guys that haven't really done that, Cromwell's not had a great couple weeks. Um,
0: No, his average is down 27 points over the past 10 games. Uh, You know, maybe he's in there for his defense. He's made some good plays, but listen, his fielding percentage is less than Grayson Bird's. I know Grayson Bird's been hurt, uh, had a leg injury, uh, finally came back there in the ACC tournament. Um, But Patrick Cromwell, at the very least, you got to drop him in the order, I think. And then I think that leads you to Sam Hall, which is who you're going to talk about.
1: Yep, Hall as well has not been fantastic lately. He's uh, he's hitting 234 on the season now, but just uh, about a week ago he's 263 for the season. So his last two outings, he's 0 for seven in the last two games, um, which was Miami and Florida State. And it's just he's gone cold. Um, yeah, but- he
0: just really hasn't done well since Monty Lee experimented putting him higher up in the lineup and. You know, I, I said this about Kier Meredith, and I said it about Sam Hall. Like these these kids are freshmen; they get off to a hot start, which a lot of guys coming in may do. They tend to taper off a little bit, so don't throw them up there and kill their confidence. Don't move them too quick. Let them kind of get established. Let them get comfortable in the spot they're in, and then maybe start experimenting. I, I didn't see the point of moving Sam Hall into the leadoff role at one point. His last ten games is only batting one forty three. So I'm glad that Monty Lee has stuck with him and kept him in Absolutely. the lineup. I think that's the smart thing to do uh, because he does have the potential, and maybe he's going through a little bit of a slump. He needs to make some adjustments. Again, just a freshman, but he has. Uh, we have seen his average drop.
1: Somebody uh, else who's been performing uh, not so well on batting average but his on-base percentage the last few games has been great uh, is Jordan Green. He's been getting walked a ton. Uh, the last seven or eight games, he's got about a dozen walks. And he's still hitting around 250 for the season. And he's been solid. I mean, he's, he's been, been solid, solid around
0: the 250 mark. He's uh, on-base percentage is over 400. He's uh, scored a run in all but two of his last 13 games. He's, he's one of the few guys on the
1: team that feels like he's not – Hitting for power every time he's up there. He's right. one of the few guys that can play that small ball approach. He's got right. the speed to to move around the bases if he gets on. And he has a really good eye and he's he's been getting walked a lot lately. So it's been good to watch that.
0: Yeah, and really, you know, even if you're just putting the ball in play and putting the pressure on the defense to make plays, I mean again, it's college baseball. The defense is not on the same level as the pros. So um put that pressure on him. So we'll talk about where these guys kind of shake out in, in our theoretical lineups. Um, but Green's the guy that definitely, and Monty Lee has done this to his credit. He's kept him in there. Okay, let's move it over to the pitching staff here. A three three six team ERA total, which is for college baseball, that's absolutely fantastic. I and mean, we've we've mentioned this before. It's gotten better every year under under Monty Lee, and it's a uh, you know we we question this pitching staff coming into the year. We lost all three starters, weekend starters from last year. Lost our uh, midweek starter and Tyler Jackson from last year. Um, we come in with with three guys with experience, but very unproven, and then a question mark at the midweek uh, starter role. And let's start here with uh, Brooks Crawford. In in my mind, he's been kind of the he's been the best pitcher uh, as of late for the Clemson Tigers. He's eight and two in the season with a three three five ERA. He's only given up one earned run in each of his last three starts. He's made it through five innings pitched in his last six starts. If you recall, early on in the year, he was struggling to get out of the Get out of the fifth, so he's been solid as of late, helping out the bullpen there. Um, Less than two walks per nine innings pitched for the year. That's really been solid. So he's not giving people free passes, and he's continued to improve, which is exciting. I think going into the tournament uh, with him and Higginbotham, we've got two solid guys.
1: Yeah, he's been super consistent towards the end of the season. Uh, Jake Higginbotham that you mentioned, still pitching pretty well. Uh, He's had some trouble with his control lately, walking a lot of guys. Uh, in each of his last five starts, uh, with the exception of one of them, he's had at least three walks, which is too much for when you're only going five or so innings.
0: Yeah, he's he's averaging almost six walks per nine innings pitched over his last seven starts. So he's been playing with fire. Uh, we mentioned the Florida State game didn't have his best start of the year, did limit them to through two, three runs, made he, it into he the He got seventh. out of uh,
1: yeah. a lot of tough spots in that game, which was good to see because he was struggling with his uh, control, leaving a lot of balls up. Uh, but that high fastball... He struck out three or four guys in that game, uh, just blowing a fastball high high and outside against them. It was it was good to see that they couldn't catch up.
0: Yeah, I mean, he leads the team in the ERA at 3 two, seven, and his ERA has dropped over the course of the year. So, you know, keep doing what you do, man. Um, the defense has been playing well for the most part this year. So when you have that behind you, it gives you more confidence to pitch to contact, which is what uh, Andrew C. and Monty Lee preach. Um, so one, two punch, uh, Crawford and Higginbotham, uh, two solid guys anchoring this rotation. Uh, Jacob Hennessy, on the other hand, he really took a downturn. He was probably the best, uh, the best pitcher in Clemson's roster at the beginning of the year. He hasn't pitched since May 11th. Um, it's questionable about whether he has an injury. We did see him start to warm up in the bullpen at the end of the Florida state game. I tend to think he has a dead arm. His velocity has gone down. Um, you know, we mentioned this last time, completed six innings pitched in five of his first eight starts of the year. And he's completed uh, six innings pitched in zero of his last five starts. ZRA has jumped more than a run in those starts up to three, six, five on the year. So transitioning now into Spencer Strider, is that's one prediction that kind of came true that we talked about last time, Sam. Moving him into a starter, a weekend starter role. Yep. Um, given how well he had been pitching um, as of late. He was moving into the starting rotation, uh, first game at Pitt, as we mentioned, went five, giving up two runs. He did start against Notre Dame in the first game of the ACC tournament. Wasn't pitching all that great. There was a rain delay, so it was kind of some weird circumstances there, but it didn't matter. We put up 17 runs in an inning. Um He only went two in that game, giving up three runs. He does lead the team in strikeouts with 69 on the year. He's averaging 12.8 strikeouts per nine innings pitch. That's huge.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty massive number. Uh, He stepped in well to fill in for that third starter role on the weekend. Hopefully, Jacob Hennessy can can get healthy or get his mind right or get the, the rest he needs, whatever the situation is. At least be able to contribute out of the bullpen as a exactly. left-handed pitcher. So I, I was going to say it was it was heartening to see him warming up in the bullpen late in that game. Um, but he obviously he didn't get in. But hopefully Monty Lee is going to be able to throw him in for some middle relief or long relief um, in the next few games. And we can get a contribution from a guy who's clearly extremely talented and contributed a ton early in the season. He's got the talent. He just needs to uh, get back on that train.
0: And maybe some rest is all he's he's needed. Uh, We'll see. We don't really want to speculate too much. But again, his velocity has dropped over the course of the years down into the low 80s with this fastball. Uh, Speaking of the bullpen, Ryan Miller continues to be solid. He's six and one with a two four o ERA on the air. He hasn't given up a run in his last six appearances, which covered sixteen innings pitched. Um, given that the starters have struggled to get past five innings a lot of times this year, he has been the
1: long relief has been
0: yeah amazing. Yeah, it's been amazing, and he's been a huge part about that. Um, uh, Carson Spears, another guy, two two nine ERA. He struggled He did struggle a little bit against FSU, uh, but prior to that, having given up a run in previous in his previous eight appearances. Uh, So those two guys between Miller and Spires has been solid and been key. Uh, A key reason this Clemson pitching staff has pitched so well this year and and has an ERA where they have it.
1: Yep. And uh, another couple guys that have been contributing, obviously Riley Gilliam as our closer has been amazing. He's also had a number of really long outings. I think he threw over 50 pitches against Florida state. Um, Maybe it was Notre Dame. One of those two games, he threw a ton of pitches and uh, Matt Clark, as well has been fantastic as uh, he got the Kennesaw state midweek start, uh, but long relief and spot relief later in games as well. He's been great. He's uh, under, then, under a two ERA.
0: Yeah. And this is a guy who we could possibly use as a starter if needed yep. uh, coming up in the NCAA baseball tournament. So be on to look out for that. He's kind of an under the radar guy, left-handed pitcher. You know, you take Hennessy out of the starting rotation on the weekend Um, You know, all year we've been going lefty-righty-lefty. Now you've got uh, two righties uh, with Irving Strider in there. If you decide to go with Matt Clark, you get another lefty. And sometimes you need a fourth starter in these regionals, depending how many games you you end up playing, especially if you are playing a fourth game um, uh, in in the regionals. So that could be key uh, for this Clemson baseball team. Keep an eye on that. Uh, A guy that is kind of taking a downward spiral is Travis Moore. His ERA has ballooned to 4 five four eight. He's got a over twelve ERA over his last twelve and a third innings pitched. Um, it just he's started to get hit, and I don't expect him to be a key contributor moving forward. I just don't think he's a guy you can trust out of the out of the pen.
1: Yeah, I mean, he only made three appearances in May, and he either he went one scoreless inning against Austin P. in the middle of the month, but the other two outings he gave up uh, four runs in each. And I think yeah, I
0: recall going a scoreless inning against Austin P. I mean that's not much to write Haven't we all not, not, not much to write <laughs> home about.
1: Um so his last few outings uh have been both short and lots of runs scored. Something, you know, not having a good end of the season. So I agree. I wouldn't expect him to see a lot of time on the mound for us going forward. Um, but hopefully the other guys that we've talked about can Work together to to get us through a bunch of games.
0: Yeah, and that being said, about all these guys, such a young uh, pitching staff with a lot of talent, and many of whom have performed really well this year. So, um, going in, that bodes really well for next year, and we'll see what that means here for the end of the season. So, speaking of the end of the season, let's move on to talking about the Clemson Regional. So once again, under Monty Lee, now the third year in the row, and. Every year under his tenure, the Clemson Tiger baseball team gets a regional at Doug Kingsmore Stadium. And this regional may seem very familiar to how it looked last year. Uh, you got Clemson as the one seed, Vanderbilt as the two seed. They won last year's regional. Um, St. John's comes in as the three seed. Clemson, though they were in the regional, Clemson did not end up playing them last year. And then at the four seed, you got Moorhead State. They replace UNC Greensboro. Um who was that four seed in the regional last year. So, you know, we brought up Ray Tanner at the, the top of the show, and I don't think there's any conspiracy theories to be worrying about, but whether keeping Clemson out of the top eight or kind of rehashing the same regional as last year. But kind of weird that it came down to this, and Ray Tanner even went so far as to admitting there probably wasn't oversight there. Uh, that being said, you know, really the only commonality here as far as a Clemson fan is concerned is Vanderbilt. Again, didn't play St. John's last year, and Moorhead State wasn't in it. So let's get over it being very similar to last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, these teams, even though two of them are the same, um, the appearances of the teams are different, and it's a new year. Our team is totally different from last year. So we've uh, we've just got to focus on how these teams are constructed for this season.
0: Well, we need to focus on winning a regional, winning our own regional, which we haven't done in quite some time. Um, and maybe it helps to bring in some familiar foes. You know, if you couldn't do it last year, let's hit the reset button and try again this year.
1: Yep. So we start with Moorhead State on Friday, um, and they're only in the tournament or in our regional because they beat Tennessee Tech. You mentioned we were second in the country in home runs. We've talked about Tennessee Tech before. They hit, like, three times more home runs than everyone else in the country. they hit,
0: like, 350 as a team. I mean, this is no... Beating Tennessee Tech is, like, that's... They're no pushover, so...
1: So somehow Moorhead State... Beat them uh, after an 18 and 12 run in the Ohio Valley Conference. They won the the conference tournament, and uh, they're only 96th in RPI in the country, three and four against top 25 RPI teams. So they're not an amazing team, but they're clearly capable of beating good teams.
0: But three and four against RPI top 25 teams is a good number. Um, that being said, this can be a bit deceiving as these are usually midweek games uh, when the opposing team doesn't start their best pitcher.
1: The Austin uh, P approach. Uh,
0: exactly. Now, that being said as well, they've also played Tennessee Tech several times this year, so that probably does account for it probably s- includes those s- games. several of these games. Yeah. Uh, so that's nothing to thumb your nose at. Um, it's, again, a better record against RPI top 25 teams than Clemson has, uh, so take that for what it's worth.
1: Yeah, so they must be feeding some something special to those boys in the Ohio uh, Valley Conference because this team is a really strong hitting team as well similar to Tennessee Tech they're hitting 318 as a team eight guys hitting over 300 which is just ridiculous and they also hit 83 homers so almost as many as we did uh, one of the top teams in the country there as well yeah I tend to think that
0: the pitching sucks in the Ohio Valley and that may have something to do with it because the numbers are absolutely phenomenal um, but it's you know something to be concerned about maybe. The, they're led by Morris Braxton. He's batting 374 on the year, uh, and then Trevor Snyder batting 337 He leads the, uh, the team with 18 home runs. So you're getting uh, you're in Seth Beer territory there. Uh, pitching wise, it's a completely different story. They've got a five-eight nine team ERA, which is uh, good for 240th in college baseball out of some 300 and something teams. Um, I'm not going to mention any of their starting pitchers because there's really none worth mentioning. Um, none of them really have, and they all have high ERAs. Uh, so when I look at this team as a whole, even though they are a really good hitting team, the fact that they're not very good pitching doesn't um, strike fear into my heart at all. For me, this game, you start Spencer Strider, um, even if he gives up four or five runs, there's no reason we shouldn't beat them. There's no reason we shouldn't score on them. You know, I, I say let them, you give them a little bit longer leash as long as we're hitting, let them go deeper in the game and save the bullpen for other regional games. Um, because when we have Vanderbilt and St. John's coming up, I think you really need to save Crawford and Higginbotham from them because those two teams, uh, actually pitch pretty well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Vanderbilt has had a pretty heavy, um, Scheduled this season, they've played 18 games against the top 25 RPI teams this year. They're 6-12 in those games, uh, which is not terrible, but they've won series against Duke and Georgia uh, and lost to Louisville and got swept by Florida. Who's so, the
0: number one national yeah, seed?
1: So they've played some really, really strong teams this year and will be ready for anything we can throw at them. Um, they, Like you mentioned, they're pitching, it's not as strong as St. John's. Uh, their 417 team era um but they don't have a ton of bullpen depth
0: yeah they do lack reliable bullpen death uh, so that is an issue for them uh drake fellows is is probably their number one guy he's six and four with a 381 era on the year um he has 94 strikeouts and 85 innings pitched which is what you know kind of blows your mind uh and is kind of problematic for clemson giving uh, clemson's tendency to strike out um on the you mentioned that they don't hit that well. They only bat six, two sixty-four as a team. They're not a power threat with only fifty-one home runs on the year. They're tied for 86 in college baseball with runs scored, so they're not gonna score a ton of runs. Um guys to look out for Austin Martin, their center fielder and leadoff guy. He's batting 332 with 21 stolen bases on the year. So um, he's a threat on the base pat. And then JJ uh, Bladey their right fielder, their number three hitter. He's batting 374 on the year, so Overall, not a well-rounded hitting team, but they do have some guys with some pop there. Honestly, though, uh, this team doesn't really scare me that much. Uh, They do have a 983 fielding percentage, which is really high. That means they they play sound fundamental baseball, um, which balances a high ERA a bit as long as you have good defense uh, behind you. But this is kind of what you expect out of a Tim Corbin coached team. They're not going to score a lot. and we should be able to put up some runs against them. So this is not the team that scares me most in this regional.
1: Yeah, agreed. They uh, feels like they've mostly gotten in on the strength of their schedule. They were only sixteen and fourteen in the SEC this year. Um, they've, as we mentioned, we, they played a ton of tough games though, and they have an ace and a couple of guys who can uh, are outstanding on on the offensive side of the ball. So. They're certainly capable, just as Moorhead State is, of putting a good game together. But overall, as a team, they're not super threatening. Yeah,
0: it surprises me. You know, I, I would have thought, we'll get into St. John's here in a second, but I would have thought, kind of looking at the stats, looking at the records and who they played, that, yeah, Vanderbilt's in a tough conference. But I don't see them as a two-seed no. uh, in, in this tournament or in this regional. Uh, just because, again, like you mentioned, the record's not great, uh, especially within conference. Um, so... You know, the only thing they're saving grace is their strength of schedule, and their their RPI is decent at um, thirty eight. So, I guess that's what gets them in there. Uh, that being said, Saint John's they were thirty nine and fifteen on the year, fifteen and three in the Big East. They won that conference tournament. Um, they have RPI twenty seven on the year, going three and five against RPI top twenty five teams. They did beat UNC early in the season. Again, take that with a grain of salt. It's early in the year. I wouldn't worry about that too much. Or look too much into that. Um, Hitting-wise, uh, this team is more balanced on, on both sides of the ball, and this is why this team concerns me the most. They hit 297 as a team this year. They have six guys hitting over 300. Not going to hit for power, only 40 home runs, so again, they're going to kind of hit to contact. Um, tied for 84th in runs scored, so again, not a high-scoring team. Um, they got some high-average guys, but the numbers aren't overly impressive other than that. Um, they have a nice one-two punch at the top of the order with uh, John Valente, their third baseman, uh, a graduate student. He's batting 356 on the year. And then uh, Jamie uh, Galazen, their center fielder, he's a senior, batting 327 on the year. So, again, top of the order, they have some, some experienced guys uh, that can hit. So, you know, that's obviously helpful, um, but... The fact that they haven't been scoring a lot of runs, you know. Certainly
1: bodes well for us.
0: Exactly. Um, Especially it, since their pitching is so good.
1: Yeah, and it feels sort of like their, their batting averages may be inflated, similar to Moorhead State's, uh, where they're, pit- they're batting against lower-level pitching. Uh, Big East, not the strongest conference. No, those northern conferences typically aren't. Uh, but there's one thing about this team that is unassailable. They have a fantastic staff. They have a 2.95 ERA, ERA as a team, which is fourth in the country. Uh, they only gave up 40 home runs on the year, so they only hit 40, but they only gave up 40, which is again super low. Um, and they've got three guys who are really standouts as starters, uh, all of which have a 3.05 ERA or better.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's start off with Sean Mooney. He's a, a right-handed sophomore. He was 11 and two on the year. Two five. Eleven ERA. wins.
1: Come on. Uh, yeah, I crazy. Had Eleven
0: wins in college baseball. Um, what's even more amazing? He has a hundred strikeouts on the year. Again, yeah. Strider, who only started a handful of games this year, leads Clemson with sixty-nine. This kid has a hundred strikeouts. Yep. And again, Clemson, a team that strikes out a lot, so these guys don't give up home runs and they strike people out. Yep. Kevin McGee,
1: their senior game. lefty, not far behind. Nope. Ninety-two, a
0: two-four-eight ERA, ninety Ks on the season. This is the team to be worried about. Absolutely. And their third starter. Uh, Michael Lopresti, a right-handed junior, 4-3, three, 305 ERA, so that guys would experience, guys that strike people out, guys that know how to pitch. Uh, looking at pitching alone, this matchup scares me a little. They play small ball, they hit the contact, that puts pressure on your defense. I think this is the team to beat for Clemson.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, they're strong in a lot of areas where we're weak, which makes it scary. Um, but we are definitely capable of winning a matchup with this team. They're going to give us our best, their best shot, though. Uh, no matter which one of those three starters we get, whether it's Mooney McGee or Lepresti, uh, they're going to have a good outing. If it's one of the first two, they're going to strike out half of our roster every single time through the lineup. Um, and I, I could see it going really poorly uh, and having another 16K strikeout and guys left on base type outing like we did against Florida State. Um, but we have the talent to overcome that and we have the pitching to back it up.
0: Well, and that's why I think you have to throw Strider the first game. Uh, you you want to save um, Crawford, Higginbotham, whoever you decided to go with, uh, uh, for this game should St. John's win, just because you need to match up pitching on pitching in this in this one. So I really think uh, that this is where being successful in one-run games is going to be important. Um, I don't think any team is going to score more than five runs in a matchup between uh, Clemson and St. John's. We'll see. I think it'll be relatively low scoring for a college game. Uh, so, again... Fourteen and five and one run games on the year that that bodes well for Clemson and we're going to need to be disciplined at the plate and we're going to need some solid starting pitching and you know pitching out of the bullpen especially since if you lose to St Johns or you know really if you lose in the second game or losing in any of the games you're going to end up playing four games four matchups yeah right so you're going to get to that fourth uh, game and uh, you know none of the three guys that started for you unless Strider goes out. Um, early in a game. None of those three guys could be there, uh, but you're going to want to rest a bullpen. You want a guys like Miller available or Spears available to go along if they have to, Matt Clark if you have to throw him in there starting, or Jacob yep. Hennessy. So this is tough. Uh, St. John's definitely the the, the the team to beat as far as I'm concerned. So let's move on to some predictions for this regional, Sam. Uh, let's, let's start with the, uh, the batting lineup. Uh, we touched on this in the last episode. Some things came to fruition and some things didn't. Kier Meredith, is uh, his injury has kept him out. It's still uncertain whether or not that he's going to be back uh, for the regional. He's been hitting off a tee, but they kind of want to take it slow with him. I mentioned Grayson Bird with a leg injury. He hasn't uh, hit so well after kind of slowly being inserted back into the lineup. But as things go for my lineup, I said this last time, I say it again, I think Jordan Green should lead off. He's got a 403 on base percentage, only eight points less than Logan Davidson. So I don't think you lose a lot there by moving him out. He has one less walk on the year, year than Wilkie, one more than Cromwell, and has 100 less, 100 more or less at bats than both of them. So I've got Jordan Green leaning off Wilkie, no brainer. Don't move him out of the two hole. And you know, 25 games in a row, he's gotten a hit. I imagine that may continue. Uh, Logan Davidson. Last time I had him at four, this time I've got him in the three hole. It's a good spot to put a switch hitter after you start off Um, righty-righty. Then you put two guys outside of himself and beer with the best on-base percentage on the team in front of him. Uh, I think that's smart to allow him to, to, to knock some runs in. Then you have Seth Beer. I have him batting cleanup. and What that does, instead of having Green at the bottom of the lineup, is that, yeah, when you come back around, then you have Green, Davidson, Wilkie in front of Beer, but... This has Green, Wilkie, Davison in front of Beer from the get-go. From the get, yep. Again, look at his on-base percentage and what he's able to do on the base pass. Uh, Chris Williams got him at five. He's been hitting phenomenal. Same with Drew Warden. Uh, I might I got Warden and Bird next. That's a righty-lefty duo. I would probably flip uh, Wharton with Bird if a righty's throwing. Um, but again, he's batting 345 over his last seven games. And then Grayson Bird, fourth and human homers. Hopefully he can bounce back from this injury. And then I bottom out my lineup with Hall and Cromwell. Again, I would flip Hall with Cromwell if a righty's throwing.
1: Yep, I like that lineup. Um, if we're making predictions, though, I would I would guess that Monty Lee's not going to switch it up and move Green to the one slot. I think he'll leave him at nine, keep that uh, going through the end of the, rope, the lineup into the front. Um, Yeah, he's definitely not going to listen to me. No, maybe he should, but uh, I really like Green. probably shouldn't. Yeah, I really like Green in that that first slot, but I don't think we're going to see it. Uh, I think we'll continue to see Davidson lead off, uh, followed by Wilkie, Beer, and Williams. Uh, The final three or four guys before we get to Green at nine is sort of in flux. Uh, We've been trying a couple different people at different spots throughout the last week or two with uh, Jolly, Grayson Bird, Wharton, Um, Justin
0: Hawkins got in there in the ACC tournament, which was really odd to me because he hasn't hit in a while and he's done a lot of striking out this year.
1: Yep. Uh, We got a a pinch runner in from Adam Renwick in the Florida State game, which is a name we haven't talked about at all this year. No, he
0: actually got some good playing time last year. He's a senior this year, but he's he's just not a guy that hits well enough to warrant him being in the lineup. You've got other talented guys uh, ahead of him that can hit better.
1: Um, But yeah, so we'll, we'll adjust the the six through eight slots in the lineup according to the matchups and continue to do what we've been doing the last few weeks. I think
0: you have Robert Jolly coming off the bench if you need him.
1: Yep. Jolly Hall, bird Warden, some combination of, of those guys in Cromwell are going to, are going to be in there. Um, and I think rotation wise, probably going to stick with Higginbotham as our, Sunday starter or the equivalent as we go into the yeah, regional number three guy. Yep. Uh, and Crawford as the Saturday starter equivalent.
0: You know what it's really going to depend on, you know, I, I think definitely you throw a Spencer Strider in the first game, but I think between Crawford and Higginbotham, it's going to de- depend on who we play um, and in, whether in, we're in winning second, in, in that second game. Crawford being a righty, Higginbotham being a lefty. If the lineup is lefty heavy, then you go out there and you throw Higginbotham. If you if it's righty heavy, you throw Crawford. So I really I don't think it's a uh, the same formula that we've seen all year. I think it's uh, really um, specific to what our opposition, um, what their lineup looks like. I think we match them up with that.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. And if we somehow lose to Moorhead State, I could. Totally see us throwing out Higginbotham in the next game just to make sure we stay alive um, and go into Crawford and then potentially Clark or one of the other guys we talked about in that fourth game if we need it. Well, well there's,
0: re- there's really no excuse to lose to Morehead State. Again, the only reason they're in is because they upset uh, Tennessee Tech in the the Ohio Valley tournament. So as well as this team has been hitting lately and how bad their pitching is, I just don't see a scenario no combination of Clemson pitchers is going to give up enough runs to lose that game, yep. in my opinion. Uh, and I hope I'm right. Um so, then, you, then you got Matt Clark, if yep. needed. That's a guy, again, we told you we'd circle back around to this. That's a guy who's coming on. They started throwing him in, giving him uh, you know, got him a start there. Um it'll be interesting to see, especially if they need a lefty.
1: Yep. So how do you see the uh, the regional going? We beat Moorhead State, St. John's beats Vanderbilt. We play St. John's in that second game, right?
0: Yeah, I have to look at St. John's lineup again. It depends on if they're righty or lefty heavy. Um, if they're neither, I think then you go Crawford, uh, Higginbotham. Um, and if they're lefty heavy, heavy, you go Higginbotham and then save Crawford for game three. Um, how, how about you? What are your yeah, thoughts I think along those lines? odds
1: are good that we get uh, Kevin McGee, their second starter in that second game. Um, I think they'll probably save Mooney for later in the tournament for the closeout game. Um, so that's a guy who strikes out a ton of people, 248 ERA that we mentioned, uh, and he's a lefty. So we're going to have to structure the lineup to face the lefty and hopefully get some runs out of that game and, and pull out a win and set ourselves up to be in a really good position to, to win the regional,
0: you know, I actually wouldn't be surprised to see them throw Mooney out first. They're in a bit different situation than Clemson's in facing more state. They'll be p- facing a better team at Vanderbilt. And, um, uh, you know, general theory would have it that in tournaments like this, you throw your best guy first because the most important game to win is the first game. Yep. You take the, ne- the next game day by day. And honestly, their, their three starting pitchers are so good. I don't think it's too much of a step down. Um, so again, I wouldn't, I, I agree with you that we would, might see McGee in the second game, but I have, um, I've, I'm thinking that they throw Mooney in that first game. Cause then again, you never know if he has to come out early, that sure. leaves him available sure. for, for later in the tournament. Um, as far as our bullpen goes, um, it, it's going to be what it has been. Miller, Spears, Gilliam, uh, Matt Clark could show up in the bullpen there, and then um, Jacob Hennessey, Hopefully. depending on how his arm is. So that's kind of the wild card, uh, what they're going to do with him, but uh, we'll see how that shakes out. And then maybe Marr, if his rest is what he's needed, I don't know if that's it. And then I think you could see... Um, the the last two guys they go to is maybe Sam Weatherly or Holt Jones, who haven't pitched yeah. a lot this year, but they, 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 they've had to get in some games. Um, situationally, I think you might see them in there. Um, so overall, I think Clemson has a really good shot at winning this regional, and it'll be a really big disappointment for Clemson fans if they don't, um, especially for a fan base that expected a national seed. Um, you know, I, I thought they'd probably be on the outside looking in, but it was going to be on the cusp, so... They were close. Again, uh, the number 10 seed. So St. John's the team to beat. Should be low-scoring games. Uh, We're really going to need to be able to hit against good pitching, which has been a problem this year. And then the pitching itself is going to have to be solid, which I I think it will be. There's enough of a sample size to give me confidence in that, at least.
1: Yep, I agree. Um, So if things fall as we hope they will, we'll play the winner of the Florida State Regional. Uh, which consists of Florida State, who we obviously are familiar with, played a bunch again uh, against them this year, uh, along with Mississippi State, Oklahoma, and Sanford. Um, and I think
0: Mississippi State actually has a good shot of winning this regional, which bodes well for Clemson because should they win, Clemson ends up hosting the Super Regional.
1: Yep, higher seeded uh, than the second guy in that, or second team in that, right. uh, that regional. So we'll see how it goes. We'll keep you posted.
0: Yeah, again, I mean, we're, we're talking about Clemson basketball and exciting things in May. We're talking about Clemson baseball and uh, postseason play, and obviously we've got all the excitement around Clemson football. So um, it's I, I say this over and over again, but it's a really fun time to be talking about the Clemson Tigers and to be a Clemson sports fan. Um, I, I mentioned this last year, I believe, or maybe two years ago after we won the national championship game. My question whether or not this was a kind of a golden era of Clemson sports and Undoubtedly, yes. The way things are going, it's shaping up that it may be that. So um, enjoy it while it lasts, folks. This is a really good time. Um, So with that, uh, we'll end the show. We thank you guys for listening. Um, We've been mentioning this, and we still intend to do so. We're going to have a four-man roundtable coming up. It'll be the first first time that all four of us um, have been on the podcast together since we brought Sam on in the fall. We'll be discussing various topics uh, concerning college football. We may even do college basketball. It depends. Uh, we've been getting mailbag questions from uh, you guys, and we encourage you to do that. Email us at clemsonpodcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter or Facebook at Clemson Podcast. Um, anything, any uh, topical discussions you would like us to have. You know, we, We've talked about paying players before, about beer sales in Memorial Stadium. Uh, for football games, we can talk about the one and done and how that affects uh, Clemson and college basketball with the uh, testing the waters in the NBA draft. So we've gotten a lot of good questions so far. Those of you have, that have sent them in, we appreciate that. We'll give you shout-outs when we actually do the episode. But, but thanks to everybody for that. Keep them coming. And then also, uh, we've been getting some really nice uh, 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 iTunes reviews, and we really appreciate that. Uh, you know, you're already taking the effort to to tune into us every couple weeks during the off season and listen to us for an hour. But the fact that you, you go on iTunes and you give us nice reviews, I can't tell you how much that appreciates that. And it really encourages us to keep doing what we're doing. Again, this is a hobby for us. We do this in our spare time. Um, if we did this for a living, we'd be broke because we're not that good. Um, but that being said, again, thank you so much. Um, and I think we'll wait till the episodes, uh, the football episodes, because that's when we get our higher listening count to really shout out everybody. But, um, Uh, We do appreciate that, and we intend to to make that known. So, again, uh, check back in with us over the coming weeks. Uh, Should a Clemson advance past the regional, we probably won't do a show ahead of the Super Regional. We'll probably check back in after that. Should Clemson lose this regional, we're not going to talk about baseball until next year. Um, So, uh, again, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And with that, go Tigers.